We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sports Analytics Advanced Sports Analytics Show presented by Rotor Grinders. I'm your host, Travis Van Gogh, back with the usual suspects. We're all back here. Got Brandon back. So kick it off with us first, Brandon. How's it going over there? Pretty good. I have an extra large cup of coffee this morning. I'm just getting getting started, fired up for uh, for another week. Yeah, we're doing this on Friday morning rather than normally on Thursday. So maybe you got a little bit of extra research crammed in that brain there to give us to the people. Stuart, back to you. How's it going over there, man? Been going good. Uh, definitely have not been using the extra time to load up on research, but um, hoping to, uh, you know, get that in before uh, Sunday and uh, hopefully hear some of y'all's thoughts and uh, definitely process that into, uh, into how I'm thinking about the weekend for sure. Yeah, I'm actually really excited about this slate. I think this is a really good one. Uh, I'm curious about your guys' thoughts, but before we do that, guys, please hit the like and subscribe on the channel for us. We would appreciate it so much. All you got to do, scroll a little down while you're listening to the video, hit like, hit subscribe right now. We would really, really appreciate it. Uh, Let's dive right in. Let's talk about the games. Today, we're going to go game by game. And Brandon, I'm going to start off with you because, uh, man, this this is a dream for you. I know how you like to build lineups. We got the Tampa Bay Buffs. We got the Atlanta Falcons, 51 and a half total. Um, You know, all the wide receivers. I know you love those high upside receivers. We got Evans, Godwin, Julio. They might be a little bit chalky though. So talk to me. What do you want to do with this game? Hold up. Before before we go there, uh, I have to say that last week I was a consumer of the pod. 
because I set out and you missed the most blazing takes of the whole season. So first of all, uh, Stewart called uh, Josh Allen to John Brown as Josh Allen to John Brown to Knox as the, as the key stock, the key stack of the week. And then he also, he also called uh, return touchdown and Miami defense from uh, who's, who's the Miami punt returner again? Jakeem Grant. Jakeem Grant. So he, they called both of those as like a solid five minutes of the show. And uh, I don't know if you saw how the lineups came through last week, but Allen Brown to Knox was definitely the build. Knox was 1%. He didn't light it up, uh, but he did have a receiving touchdown, and it was a relatively weak uh, week for tight end. And he, at 3,000, he, he was a very good build. And then you could have Devontae Parker coming back, who had 7 and 135. I actually had one of that uh, that three Buffalo Devonte back, and it just like I don't know, didn't even do that great. I for, and I had like Michael Thompson there. I for, I should have looked uh, closely at what I had with the other pieces, but uh, man, it's tough out there. It's like even when you get on that good uh, you know four player stack, it's like if you don't have the nuts all around it, it's just like uh, you know I don't know, not the wasn't even like scratching kind of top uh, top uh, fraction of a percent or whatever, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I think that worked out well, and I definitely think that spot that we attacked last week with Buffalo, uh, thinking to attack this week with some of uh, you know the Cleveland guys in similar spots. We'll get there when we, we get there, but um, yeah, uh, back to what was it, Tampa Bay and Atlanta? Yep, uh, we can talk Tampa Bay, Atlanta. Um, back to you, Brandon. I guess because listen, I, I want to get your takes on this because I, I I was like hearing the high upside wide receivers from you. Uh, you're all about him, and uh, is Julio too much chalk? I guess is going to be a question for you because I think he's going to be a guy that a lot of people are on with all the air yards conversation, and uh, you know, just playing against the Bucks, it's such a dream spot. Yeah, um, no, not too much chalk. I think you have to you have to roll with that. Uh, they've had some explosive games over the years, and it's almost like the New Orleans. Tampa Bay, Atlanta triumvirate. It's it, it feels as if it's a uh, conspiracy to inflate statistics sometimes when those when those three get together in any combination. Um, and uh, I have always found that when those three are against each other, I just go with it. No matter no matter what the ownership is, so that'll be where I am this week. All righty, Stuart, talk about Atlanta too. I mean, listen, uh, Julio, Ridley, I mean, this this target share, we talk about this a lot, right? We talk about the condensed targets. We talked about it earlier in the year on some of these shows. And this is a situation where there's a funnel to only certain guys, right? They're not loaded up with all these different weapons and gadgets anymore. Uh, so, so many guys banged up and they traded some people. How are you approaching the Falcons here? Yeah, I, I'm wanting to pay, I think, particular attention to just like how I'm getting to these Falcon players. Uh, I was looking through just some of their correlations and, you know, the Falcons are a good example of a team that's been kind of, their, their receiving has been uh, stable going back to 2018, I guess with the, you know, subtraction of Mo Sanu, but uh, and I think so it does provide for like a pretty long sample with Ridley uh, Julio. And I was noticing interestingly enough that like Ridley is the guy who has kind of the best correlation with some of the pieces that we might want to include as part of a stack. Like, uh, you know, Ryan uh, Ridley's got a 0.58 correlation dating back to 2018. 
Ridley's correlation with the uh, opposing receiver or quarterback um, is quite high dating back to 2018. So, you know, if we're thinking of maybe uh, primary stacking Tampa Bay and running back an Atlanta guy in Jones, that's kind of not the case. Like his correlation dating back 2018 with Matt Ryan is uh, only like Uh, 0.16. So they more or less operate like independently of one another in terms of their, uh, you know, ability uh, to reach like a ceiling or floor, which, uh, you know, I think it's interesting. And, and Jones also has, you know, either uh, no or slightly negative correlation with opponent uh, receivers or quarterbacks. So um, to me, like the way these correlations set up, like Jones is the guy that I'm going to want to try to get if I'm like wanting exposure to this game within a lineup that maybe is stacked around another game. Um, if I'm going with like a, a true, you know, game stack through this game, Ridley to me seems like the guy who just correlates better with kind of the pieces I might want to include uh, in that lineup. Um, So I think, you know, you kind of, I don't know. I don't necessarily know that you have to pick one or the other, like Jones Ridley have a slight negative correlation, but not so much where it's like a uh, Godwin Evans or, uh, you know, Odell Landry, where it's like, you have to pick one or the other. I do think there isn't, you know, this is a game, we could double stack, uh, you know, the correlation isn't quite as tight with those two guys, um, but it's not so, you know, negative that, you know, we can't uh, be double stacking the Atlanta side. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, it's it's a game where, you know, there's so many, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of ownership on this game and there's, there's a want to like get cute and creative and maybe try to go um, with someone you know, other than Jones or Ridley. Um, but I don't know. I think to me, those are the two guys I'm going to want to build through when building this game on the Atlanta side. Um, they, they just clearly seem to be like the guys who are getting the most volume with Sanu gone with Hooper out. So uh, that, that's kind of where I'm looking. Yeah, definitely think we got to load up on those Atlanta guys. Uh, Brandon, maybe you got some tools over there at advanced sports analysts that can answer the magical question every single week. Is it Mike Evans? Is it Chris Godwin? Which guy you got? Well, uh, I don't have that. My my interest is more in uh, trying to figure out the Kamara situation. Um, Tampa Bay uh, is not not an ideal matchup, but the um, <clears throat> Kamara had a decent performance against Chicago, and I feel like he he does he's such a threat in the passing game that i i will play him pretty heavily this week and this is setting up to be a week where eh, it might be the week where you could play a lot of pieces in a stack uh, typically stewart and i have both been in favor of uh sticking with high correlation cores and not not having too many players in the same game but i could easily see this setting up to be a game where you could have a lot of a lot of pieces. Um, for one, these these totals, the New Orleans, Carolina, and Tampa Bay, Atlanta totals are are a good bit above the rest of the slate. And it might be uh, a weather slate. Looks like it could be cold weather with lots of winds in the other games. And the New Orleans uh, game and the Tampa Bay game, you have a lot of – or the Atlanta game, you have – uh, dome conditions. Um, so I could, I could see it being one of those, uh, 
six pieces in the game get there at the top of the millionaire maker. Um, we, we, the first year that advanced sports analytics started was the year that, uh, you had some extreme stacks win the millionaire maker. Like you had one where four offensive pieces from, um, the Steelers won the millionaire maker one week. And when we, when we looked at the data, it, uh, it suggested that it's not a terrible, it's not a terrible build to, to have a lot of pieces from the same game because, uh, when you have a, a true outlier total score, it becomes reasonably likely that, that, that all of the pieces can, can get there. Uh, as for, as for Evans and, uh, Godwin, I haven't, I haven't found the pattern. I haven't, broken the code on that one. Uh, I'm, I'm a big believer in, um, if you're, if you're getting the, the big odds, then just have a version and B version. You have the, you have the a version with, with Evans and you have the B version with Godwin. And it's simple as that. That's pretty much the way I've been running it. Yeah, I, I can see that. Some people do the whole 50% of lineups, uh, Evans, 50% Godwin. I don't know if people are actually running out or they're joking. Um, is Ronald Jones a leverage play you can maybe uh, go here, Gibbs, uh, Stewart? I, I, w- I was going to say, like, are we done with Ronald Jones? Because um, I don't know. He, he sets up nicely as like a correlate with the other side. Um, obviously, like if you're wanting to build through the Tampa Bay side, probably going with the Jameis receiver, run it back with Atlanta. But if you're trying to build on the Atlanta side and bring it back, with Tampa Bay, I, I do wonder if, uh, you know, we get so attracted to the shiny objects and, and Evans and Godwin, uh, like Ronald Jones correlates very well with opposing receivers and, uh, and quarterbacks. Uh, you know, I could see, like, I think for Atlanta, like kind of the game script we want is Tampa Bay up big Atlanta playing, you know, from behind and just kind of airing it out with Matt Ryan. Um, yeah. Ronald Jones, I'm definitely interested in, I think is a intriguing leverage play has really nice correlation with the other side. Um, yeah, I, I was just going to say, uh, you know, Ronald Jones, a guy I'm, I'm interested in. So, yeah, I like that call a lot. Yeah, uh, Jameis Winston, too. He's a guy that has a decent price tag, too. Uh, I know uh, it's one of those weeks where some of the quarterbacks you want, they're a little bit priced up. You talked about uh, the Saints game a little bit. You got Breeze there, who's the third highest priced quarterback. Ryan at 6,700 in this game. And then Russell Wilson, who's been phenomenal at 6,800. You can get Winston for 6,200. Uh, so not a bad spot there. Uh, any other guys you want to kind of touch on in this game, Brandon, or do you want to move on? I think we move on. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to throw in there Cam Brate. Uh, you know, if OJ Howard uh, is kind of continues to be in uh, the doghouse, uh, Cam Brate had a good showing last week. And, uh, you know, I think is also another uh, intriguing kind of leverage play off of uh, Godwin Evans. Yeah. Are those 14 targets uh, real? That is the question. Uh, I guess we'll have to see. Maybe uh, stay tuned and try and see what Bruce Arians is thinking in that crazy mind of his. Uh, But let's move on. Let's go over to the next game, which is, uh, you know, against Brandon's Miami Dolphins. Uh, It's the Cleveland Browns and the Dolphins. 45.5 total. Browns about 11 point favorites. And the Browns, they're they're heavy favorites too. Their team total is a 28.25 over here on the Roto-Grinders lineup page. Uh, we'll kick it off with you first, Stuart, because I think this is a team that you're going to be matched up with all the correlation plays, uh, you know, hoping for a big stack opportunity. Yeah, I like this game a lot. Uh, you know, this Miami team is one we wanted to attack last week with Buffalo, and that worked out um, 
you know, pretty well. Um, I think uh, for the first time in a while, like I'm really looking closely at Baker. Um, you know, Miami is just not a team that's going to generate a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And um, I think in the past, you know, in games that Baker struggled this year, he's kind of struggled with getting time uh, in the pocket. I expect him to have, um, you know, more time to throw. Miami's got the second lowest uh, opponent-adjusted sack rate uh, in the league. And, um, yeah, I'm interested in, uh, you know, working this Cleveland side uh, a good bit. Uh, It's not like the greatest – correlation between receivers uh, where, you know, I feel super great about double stacking, uh, you know, on the Cleveland side, Landry and Odell have pretty strong uh, negative correlation. Uh, It seems like only one really can have a big game for you. And they both kind of equally correlate with, with Mayfield. So there's not like one guy uh, I think is the clear, you know, front runner. Um, I just think from a value standpoint, Odell seems, uh, you know, a little more, a little better value. Like he's only 700 more than, than Landry. Um, and even though Landry has been quite productive this year, uh, I don't know, six, three compared to Odell's seven to me, uh, you know, makes me kind of side a little bit more to, towards Odell. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the guys I'm looking at on the Cleveland side. Um, I think like Kareem Hunt is, is interesting. Um, you know, he's been pretty featured in, in the past game, although it does, you know, figure to be a game script that maybe isn't the most favorable towards him. But uh, yeah, for me, I think I'm looking uh, at the Cleveland side building through just a, a Baker and then uh, Odell or Landry, but not both kind of stack. Yeah, listen, Odell and Landry is an interesting conversation over on a site Yahoo. Uh, Odell is actually cheaper or, or cheaper than Landry, which is kind of crazy. Oh, really? Uh, that yeah, yeah. That's it's he's twenty two dollars and Landry's twenty four. Uh, so uh, Odell's price is getting cheap. Uh, Brandon, talk to me about Nick Chubb. He's a guy that definitely we have to have some interest in. I'm sure he'll be in Stewart's uh, cash game consideration. He's in mine, and I think he's a great tournament play as well. Uh, how are you approaching a guy like Nick Chubb against these terrible Dolphins? Well, um, you have to worry about the hunt role there, tapping the upside. In cash games, I could definitely see it because I think he just gets there in the low 20s so often, uh, and there aren't so many great options this week. But in tournaments, uh, you're paying 8100 and I just don't see him getting there too often because – because Hunt will have some carries, and I, I think he would just need a kind of a freak game. I think he would need that one huge carry somewhere in there. Um, I, I really don't see it for tournaments. I won't, I won't be there too much. All right, I'm curious, Stuart, because I saw you shake your head and, and nod. I, I'm not as worried about Chubb. I, I think I worry about the equity with uh, with Hunt. That's the one concern. It seems like he's still getting the you know normal allotment of carries, and I'm not as concerned. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe uh, I should be concerned. Are you? If no, I could I, jump in, sorry for one second. It was it was sort of remarkable this past week that there. If you, I always just go through the sharp players lineups just to see what's up. And I was surprised at at how how much uh, play Hunt did receive in the sharp players lineups at at uh, min price, and he he was exposed to a, a good play to have in at min price. And the coach, there was some coach speak saying he was going to have a role, 
Um, so you can see why guys took that play. Uh, and I can only expect that it might increase a tiny bit this week, but sorry. Yeah, no worries. And he's 5,600. So uh, listen, uh, it's not the same bargain, but yeah, you are right. I, I did see the same thing. I heard some people talking about how uh, Hunt was like higher owned by uh, some sharper players than you'd expect. But yeah, I, I think Chubb, I mean, makes sense in tournaments. I mean, you can make the case that he has the highest probability to get like three rushing touchdowns uh, on the slate. Um, you know, McCaffrey is always in play, but just draws a tough matchup. And I think like Chubb's pricing next to the guy in cash, I actually prefer is probably Kamara, but I expect Kamara to be very popular. So Chubb is an interesting, I think, pivot off Kamara, uh, like at a similar price point. Um, but I don't know. I'm not terribly interested in him in cash, just given uh, the split or not really the split, but just the, the, the role that uh, I'm sorry, that hunt has uh, kind of carved out, I think does um, give me some concerns about, uh, you know, Chubb's upside and, and um, you know, you're kind of depending on him to, uh, you know, get at least like, I think a touchdown obviously is, is very possible, very likely. Um, but I think at 800, or eight one, you're kind of or, uh, expecting him to get two touchdowns. So I don't know that he's really factoring into my cash consideration that much. I think for me, uh, Kamara just feels like a little bit of a safer play uh, given his just more dy- dynamic involvement in the passing game. And I think he's just got like an equally as good matchup. Um, but I think in tournaments, yeah, Chubb Chub is interesting given kind of the price that he is at and the leverage you're going to get on a guy like Kamara. Um, I don't know. Um, you know, moving to the Miami side, since, uh, you know, last week we did try to run back against Buffalo and, um, and I'm trying to pick like who, who, you know, would be kind of the primary run back option for, for Miami, like Devonte Parker obviously has, uh, just been seeing a lot of volume lately. Uh, so that's a guy I'm interested in. Um, Cleveland, I think, uh, we tweeted out a couple weeks ago when Cleveland was in that Thursday night game. Uh, they've actually been, allowing a lot, a lot of volume to opposing tight ends. Um, so, you know, Gesicki is a guy that, that I'm interested in. Uh, we've kind of been, uh, I think, chasing like his talent uh, in the past couple of weeks where, you know, it's a super talented guy who just kind of hasn't been able to put it together. Um, and I believe his volume has been down a little bit the past couple of weeks compared to where it was like a few weeks ago. Um, but I do think that's kind of an interesting kind of contrarian guy to bring back with, uh, I don't know. I haven't really been paying attention to what Parker's ownership has been in recent weeks, but I, uh, recent weeks, but I feel like, I don't know, most people seem to be uh, kind of on him. And, uh, you know, I do wonder if it's a good opportunity to maybe run back kind of a non Parker uh, Miami guy and, uh, you know, see if, see if we can kind of get a little uh, contrarian there with, with that, uh, with that bring back option. But th- those are some of the guys I'm looking at on the Miami side. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on Parker. Uh, he has gotten a little bit of ownership. Uh, don't know how much uh, traction we'll get on him. I believe the price is about like 5,300 or so. It is uh, up a little bit, yeah. Yeah, it's up a little bit. But then, again, everyone's up, kind of up a little bit. Everyone got like that little bit of price hike, which I'm okay with. Hoping some value opens up here today, uh, later on in the day with the injury reports uh, coming out for Friday. Uh, Brandon, uh, how about you? I don't love too much on the Miami side. Uh, we haven't talked about Jakeem Grant yet. Is there a chance he breaks one up? I know Stewart called it, but uh, you got a hot take on him or anyone else? No, uh, Grant, I think the role is too limited. I think um, the Devontae Parker price tag is appropriate with no Preston Williams. Um, 
he's the guy that if if you look at ASA distributional stati- statistics, he's he's not a guy that historically has had a favorable distribution for tournaments. Uh, but he but last week was a great week. That was that was a tournament winning score when he put up uh, twenty four points at under four thousand. Um, I think he's he's probably your first option in terms of a run back. I like Hearns a lot. Uh, Hearns just signed a new contract before last week's game, and he he had a lot of almost good plays last week. He it, it could have happened for him last week. Uh, I could I could see him being a great tournament play at thirty three hundred. All righty, let's go on to the next game. But before we do that, guys, I want to give a quick shout out to someone. His name is J.M.E. Holick. Uh, he actually watches the sports uh, Advanced Sports Analytics Show every single week. Uh, and the week before I got sick, uh, he won $9,000. Uh, his FanDuel screen name, he wanted to get a little shout out. It's K-O-O-2-1-Q-21. So just wanted to give you a shout out. Uh, you know, Thanks for watching. Give us that like and subscribe. We'll really, really appreciate it. Uh, let's jump on in. Let's go over to the next game. We got the New York Giants. We got the Chicago Bears. 39 and a half total. Earlier in the week, this game had a 40 and a half total. So it's down one entire point. Uh, when I first looked at this game, I thought, man, there are some interesting pieces, right? The Giants secondary is bad. So Allen Robinson could be intriguing. Saquon Barkley could be great because the Bears, they are horrible against the run. But man, this is a 39 and a half total. I don't know what to do with it, Stuart. I hate playing low totals. Talk to me about this game. I know. I'm like, uh, it, it, it's a terrible total. And uh, God, the Giants, uh, I'm sorry, the Bears offense has just been like atrocious this year. Um, I mean, I like it from a correlation standpoint. Like Trubisky correlates really well with all three of his receivers. And there's some pretty good like between receiver correlation between Allen Robinson and uh, Anthony Miller. Um Man, and like the Giants are so bad uh, defensively against QB and wide receiver, um, you know, allowing, I think we, they have the second most uh, drafting points per pass attempt uh, allowed to opposing quarterbacks. Um, I mean, I, I would like to try to get a little bit of exposure to this uh, Chicago team. It's like not a team I'm going to, you know, be building around a ton, but uh, I mean, I think like, God, I mean, last year, like, it's, I just, I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around, like, how good of a fantasy quarterback Mitch Trubisky was last year and how just atrocious he and that Chicago offense have been this year. And, um, I mean, I don't know if we, if we think like what we've seen from, uh, you know, Trubisky and this Chicago offense, uh, so far this year is kind of like the steady state who he is and what this offense is going to be. Yeah. I mean, man, it's a game you don't want any part of. Um, I mean, it does feel like a spot where, you know, maybe we could kind of get some uh, 2018 magic from this uh, Chicago offense and Trubisky, if he plays. And I, I mean, I think that's something to pay attention to. Like if uh, Trubisky versus Chase Daniel plays, um, I I don't know. I, I, I'm a little intrigued by it, um, but, you know, probably – Probably, probably, uh, probably a bad take, but I, I'm a little interested to be honest. Uh, even even with the low total, um, I think uh, Trubisky's price is way down. Um, and and if we can just recapture some of that 2018 magic, I do think this is a uh, pretty interesting uh, you know passing attack. Um, and I do I would like to think that you know uh, Daniel Jones and kind of 
the Giants will maybe push uh, Chicago a little bit, kind of in, in your you know ideal uh, game script for for um, you know Chicago. So it's a game I'm a little interested in, uh, to be honest. But um, I don't know, my my a bit of a bit of some some thin options here for sure. But uh, I have a little bit of interest on mine. Yeah, Brandon, is this a catch me up game? Or are we just moving on to the next one so we can talk your Panther Saints? Or uh, are you got any interest here? Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a catch me up game. Uh, for me, I will play pretty much no one in these games. Just sort of take it off the board. Um, there uh, with Chicago. I don't see them as terrible against the run. Uh, I see I see it as a complicated picture. It was um, in fantasy. A lot of people were swayed by the early season game where the bears played Monday night football against the Redskins and the defense looked unbelievable. Um, the defense arguably, they just played unbelievable. And so people expected that would be the way that it went for the whole season. Uh, and then a lot of sharp players were on Chicago defense, like the first four weeks of the season. And uh, it wasn't so great. And, and then, um, and then they've kind of been a bit bad since then, but they're still ranked eighth against the run. Um, and they're, they're not very far from really the, the top uh, against the run. Um, but it's complicated because last three games they've been, they've been middling uh, of, the, of the pack against the NFL. And uh, there's a big home away split. They're bad uh, away from home against the run. Uh, and, well, in this case, we'll be home. I, I, uh, I still respect the defense, and I, I respect the, the total of 40. And the work advanced sports analytics has done suggests that you should stay away from these games even more than you think you should stay away from these games. I agree with you. So let's move on. Let's talk about your boy, Alvin Kamara, and the 46 and a half total with the Saints and the Panthers. Uh, they're about 10 point favorites here, Brandon. Uh, kick it off with Alvin Kamara. Sounds like he's going to be one of your top plays this week. Uh, what are you doing with the Saints side of the ball? So um, I think you I think you roll him. He's uh, He's been uh, – it's, it's been looking like – He's, he's very healthy, about to break out. Carolina's 27th against the run. Um, he's been uh, – he's had the, the passing upside recently. I, I think you're, you might see some stat lines like you saw a couple years ago. Yeah, I'm with you. I think we're going to get a big game from him. I think we're also going to get a pretty big game from Michael Thomas. I mean, both these guys are just getting peppered with targets from Drew Brees. Uh, Stewart, uh, you know, Michael Thomas is basically a running back at the receiver position. Let's just uh, let's just say it straight. Um, what do you want to do with Michael Thomas? Cash games, tournaments? How are you kind of approaching him? Um, I mean, I think – I don't know. I haven't looked that closely at Michael Thomas. I, I'm more interested, like Carolina, I really want to attack on the ground and not through the air. Um, and I think, uh, I mean, man, if you're, if you're going with both Kamara and Thomas, I mean, both those guys are priced, uh, you know, pretty high. And I definitely think it kind of limits your ability to, 
you know, it's just going to force you down in other places. So I think on the New Orleans side, if I'm wanting to spend up on one of those guys, uh, Kamara is the guy in cash. Um, in tournaments, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, Michael Thomas, just given his price proximity to Kamara, makes it, uh, you know, an interesting play uh, as just some leverage on Kamara. I don't think also um, it's inconceivable to run both of them together in tournament lineups. Uh, they've actually had pretty – Good correlation uh, in the past uh, for running back wide receiver. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'll probably lean more closely towards Kamara. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, Thomas isn't completely out of play for me. Yeah, I uh, have to love both those guys. Um, let's talk about the Panther side of the ball because uh, you got to run it back with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Brandon, are you, are you going to run it back with him or is it too much of a salary? I think he's at a point now that uh, you're on the show. I think he's a little – priced up cash games i think you put him in but tournaments he might be a little too pricey to get him in there and run it back uh what do you think well you know my opinion i've i've believed that you shouldn't play him in tournaments close to this 10k range i'm i'm sticking to that it it maybe at this point it has become an emotional decision sorry about that um maybe maybe at this point it's become uh an emotional decision um like a stock that you're married to it's uh it's something that I won't get away from, but I, I have, I do believe the data. You've heard my arguments on this show uh, quite a few times, but you, you don't want to weight your tournament lineup with a $10,500 player. It, it really uh, lessens the probability that you get to the kind of 240 plus score that you're going to need to win a tournament by quite a bit. Yeah, listen, I don't disagree with you. I think it's kind of difficult, at least in tournaments, uh, at the price tag. Stuart, how about you? Listen, we're not arguing in cash games. He's a great play. But, uh, you know, tournaments, that price tag's a little hefty. Yeah, I mean, New Orleans, like, their uh, strength against the run is, I think, well-documented at this point. Like, we, you know, I, I played Christian McCaffrey in cash last week against, um, you know, at Atlanta. Like, that was – that was a spot we wanted to attack. I don't think new Orleans is a defense that really sets up well for McCaffrey. Um, and at 10, five, like, you know, he's a guy I'd be interested in playing in the right matchup, but against the really, really tough new Orleans defense, um, not a guy I'm super interested in and, and certainly not tournaments and even in, in cash, to be honest, um, you know, it's, yeah, 10-5 is just a lot to pay for a guy. And I, I think this week is a particularly tough week uh, to find value at the lower end as of now. And if there's not, you know, some some cheap value that opens up, I think it becomes really difficult um, to play McCaffrey. Um, yeah, I don't know. The uh, <clears throat> the correlation that was standing out to me, uh, actually, I, I forgot to mention is, uh, I mean, Camara, New Orleans Saints D, uh, I think – you know, we don't really spend that much time talking about defense, but uh, I mean, that's a defense that can get some pressure on the quarterback. Uh, Kyle Allen looked atrocious last week and uh, you know, I'm not really convinced. I mean, I don't think he's going to be that bad uh, moving forward, but I'm not convinced, you know, he's a, he's a quarterback that can really challenge defenses. Um, but yeah, no, no McCaffrey for me uh, or not very much McCaffrey for me this weekend. I don't want to say no uh, here on Friday, but uh I think it's just a really, really tough spot for him. Uh, New Orleans so good against the run uh, at 10-5. Just a lot to pay for, uh, you know, one of the worst possible matchups he could draw. By the way, on the um, – oh, earlier I realized that when I was talking about the Tampa Bay, New Orleans, Atlanta triumvirate, I brought up Kamara a little early before my before I got my coffee in. Um, but I wanted to say on McCaffrey, um, the 
The problem with playing a 10, 500 guy um, is, first of all, you, with our starting salary, you are trying to target that 250-point score for uh, winning a big tournament, winning like a $300 tournament or w- winning a millionaire maker. Um, so, of course, it's as a whole, a simple way to think about it is you need five times. Now, it is true, of course, you're much more likely to get the the big multiples from your 4K guys. Um, but with at 10,500, your, your best case scenario is you're getting a multiple of three and a half times or whatever. It puts a, it puts a high expectation burden on the rest of the lineup. But the point that I want to make is more that it also, it, it also puts a, uh, it also makes correlation work against you because basically you're playing 10, 500 in one spot and for you to win, you're going to need to hit on every three to five K player that you have. And all of those guys by their nature are uncorrelated and you're going to be playing McCaffrey in an, on an uncorrelated way because he's the only person you're, you can play in this, in this game. If, if that's, if that's the stance that you're taking. So, so you pretty much have to hit on every spot on an uncorrelated basis and you compare that to an alternative strategy where, for instance, you stack at Atlanta pieces or something and, and now everything is correlated and you still have the high upside. So for me, from a tournament construction thing, it's a, it's a simple argument, but it's, it's, uh, it's pretty clear that you shouldn't, you shouldn't be playing him. No, it's, it's great insight there. I love the conversation that we're having here. Uh, I think running it back with like guys like DJ Moore and Samuel is the better route to go and the better approach if you want to. Um, listen, let's go on to the next game, though, because we're getting a little bit behind. I think this is a game that we can breeze through, though. Uh, we got the Broncos. We got the Bills. We already talked about a low total, but this one's even lower. 37.5 total. Uh, Stuart, I know you called the Josh Allen, Knox, and Brown combo. Uh, can we do it this week, or do we just move on to the next? Yeah, this is this is a tough game. I mean, both these defenses are very good, um, you know, against quarterbacks, against uh, – you know, Buffalo's a little exposed at running back. But, um, yeah, this is, this is a game I want really nothing to do with. Uh, such a low total, two good defenses. Uh, <clears throat> I'm fine to move on. Same with you, Brandon. I think we I think yeah. we don't touch this game at all. Yeah, right? let's do it. All righty. Next game. We got the Lions. We got the Redskins. Again, 40 and a half total. I have more interest in this because there's a you know a quarterback here in Driscoll where he's kind of got a little bit of legs and he's cheap. Uh those mobile quarterbacks are a good thing on DraftKings. Take it off first, Brandon. Any interest in this game, or is this another catch me up? No, not not a catch me up. Um this Detroit has always been your perfect uh, tournament team. Um, they flash upside at unlikely times, and all of the individual pieces are just sort of high upside kind of pieces. Um, Galladay and Jones have had very disproportionate representation in tournament winning lineups uh, over the years. And uh, – <clears throat> The Driscoll downgrade is not not a positive, but but I still think you can roll these guys. I still think they have upside, so 
I will definitely have uh, sprinkles of Galladay and Jones. Um, and then um, on Washington, McLaurin is priced a little too high. Uh, he he has cash game characteristics. He, he doesn't, for me, have the tournament winning upside, but he, he does have – he does project to have a lot of volume. I think at 6K, though, he's not playable. Um, Richardson has been an upside guy historically. The, it's it's like a kind of sub-5% kind of piece in tournament lineups. But, uh, yeah, it's I – w- I would say it's the, it's the kind of game where you, you want uh, – sprinkles right you don't you don't want to make these guys core to, to your tournament strategy but but jones and galladay have have had tournament winning upside and they've they've done it in unlikely spots before they're just they're just talented fast guys yeah uh, i'm with you i think this is a game maybe you can put a little bit of sprinkle on it maybe a little jeremy sprinkle there Stuart. uh or <laughs> Or some various guys. Like, I actually don't mind him. I think he could be sort of kind of interesting if he becomes a value, right? If he, if he somehow becomes the bell cow. If the coach says on Friday, we're going to feed guys. That's something I'm watching for and looking for. Uh, how about you? What, I'm not that familiar with guys. Is he like a, a, a factor in the pass game uh, in any way or not really? Uh, he ended up getting the first week against the Eagles. I mean, he had three targets, three catches. And the last week he had two targets and he wasn't the full, like, you know, getting the full workload. Yeah. So I'm kind of in wait and see approach. Like once I see it, if I don't have value, I'm going to jump on it and, and at least consider it. Right. I'm not just going to plug it in right away, but I'm going to talk yeah. about it and, and that, think about putting it. In that's place. interesting. I mean, I think we, Detroit, Detroit's a team we like to attack with running back. They're pretty bad against running backs on the ground. Um, but they're actually leading the league, allowing the most fantasy points per running back target. So their team, I'm particularly interested in tagging a running back with a pass catching running back. It sounds like Geis is not like, you know, uh, you know, Miles, Sand- Miles Sanders level kind of pass catching back, but it sounds like he's factors in uh, a decent bit. So yeah, I- I'm intrigued there. I got to, like I said, I'm not that familiar with guys. So got to maybe do a little more research on him, but yeah, the Detroit side, I mean, the, the wide receivers are how, you know, I'm wanting to attack Washington. They're allowing the second highest catch rate to opposing wide receivers. Um, I'm sorry, allowing the highest catch rate, second highest uh, drafting points per target to opposing wide receivers, um, you know, adjusted for kind of a opponent's baseline uh, catch rate and DKP per target. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where I want to look with the Detroit side. I do think, you know, Detroit's become a little more difficult to, project in recent weeks entering a little bit like, you know, old Los Angeles Rams uh, territory, like Amendola has factored into the passing game and not in an insignificant way. Um, It's not, it's become not as condensed, uh, you know, of a uh, market share as, you know, we would have, I think, expected coming into the year. So I do think something to pay a little bit of attention to. Um, But yeah, I do, you know, like the Detroit wide receivers, uh, Galladay Jones historically have been guys that are tough to run together. They kind of negatively correlate in a pretty significant fashion. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a, a, a little bit of a tough game to like double stack up, but uh, yeah, I think Driscoll to Galladay, Driscoll to Jones are compelling, uh, you know, pairs that, that we might be interested in. Agree with you guys on that. Let's move on. Let's talk about the Raiders. Let's talk about the Jets. 
46.5 total here. And I think this Raider side of the ball is really intriguing in the past game. Uh, we like having road favorites, right? A guy like a Derek Carter, Tyrell Williams, and Waller. Uh, I think this is a really interesting stack combo that you want to look at in tournaments. Brandon, kick it off to us. You got any interest in this 46 and a half total here? Yeah, I mean, Oakland's been a, a great target all year. Uh, Josh Jacobs, he's got the, the right characteristics for tournaments. He breaks big plays. He catches a lot of passes. He gets a lot of volume. Um, I think he'll be pretty central, actually, in my in my tournament builds. Uh, Tyrell Williams, you've seen a lot of concentration there, especially in the second half of the season. Uh <clears throat> When he was at San Diego, it was he was a piece uh, that wasn't getting a lot of uh, getting a lot of share. But but then uh, no, he was he was with Rivers, right? Uh, when he was with Rivers, he wasn't getting a lot of share, and he would flash every once in a while. Now he's in a situation that's been unique in his career, where he's he's having very heavy target share. And he's been he's been performing well in the second half of the season, so I think he can be he can be a good target. And this is this is as high as his DFS price has ever gotten around fifty nine hundred in this high five Ks, some six K range. Uh, I think last week, um, so he's he's definitely uh, a tournament guy, um, and um, and then Waller, your your high upside tight ends, perfect tournament characteristics. Yeah, I love Waller. I think he's a great play. I'm, I'm going to struggle between picking between Waller and Ertz. That's going to be one of my big debates, I think, this week, Stuart. Um, what do you do with this Oakland pass game? And then touch on the Jets, too, because I think there's some really good opportunity here for a guy like a Jameson Crowder. Yeah, I mean, Oakland, both these teams are guy, uh, teams you want to attack on the outside with receiver. Uh, Oakland, in particular, uh, really susceptible to receivers allowing – uh, you know, second highest uh, wide receiver air yards market share uh, so far this year. And um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a kind of a defense that you would want to go the Robbie Anderson route with just given historically Robbie Anderson's kind of route tree. But I mean, Roger, Robbie Anderson just has not been very involved in the past game uh, this year. And Jameson Crowder really has um, not in love with Jamison Crowder's price tag this week, but from a tournament perspective, I mean, we've seen him have access to big, you know, 10 catch games. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think uh, both, both teams receiving cores in particular are in play. And that's kind of where I would look to build uh, through this game. Um, the Oakland side, I mean, Tyrell Williams, I think has been uh, just a pretty, pretty reliable guy this year. And uh, you know, a guy I think I would look to, incorporate a good bit um so that's kind of how I'm, I'm thinking about this game quite frankly Jacobs isn't really in play for me uh in a big way like Jets have been tough against the run and Jacobs hasn't really shown a whole lot of pass catching upside um so I'm, I think I'm probably a little more in favor of both teams uh receiving course yeah I'm with you uh which guy sticks out to you Brandon any receiver on the Jets that you want to go with or are you maybe on the opposite side with uh Le'Veon Bell who's been yeah, a bell cow but that's, not a little, so that's a little uh historical bias by my standpoint it, it is true Jets are first against the run this year so uh but uh I I will still have a little bit of Jacobs in tournaments I think I think he I think he has uh he has some good characteristics Anderson he 
historically has been that big play guy, but it, it hasn't seemed to happen in quite a while. Yeah, it's it's been quite frustrating with what, what's been going on with Anderson, but I get it. Uh, sprinkling him in is going to make some sense. Let's move on to the next game. And listen, again, I think this is one of the nastier games of the slate that we move on to. When we have good games with these teams going up against each other, like the Niners and Packers on Sunday Night Football, you know, we get these duds. Because if the good teams are playing each other, then some of the bad teams got to play each other. Uh, we got the Steelers. We got the Bengals. 38 and a half total here. Uh, I mean, I get it. It's the Bengals. But Jalen Samuel being 7,200 on DraftKings <laughs> is just insane. Uh, I'm not going to touch it, I don't think. Uh, the only guy I really have a lot of, in, not a lot of interest, but a little interest in this game is probably going tight end with Vance McDonald uh, because there's no juju and then maybe run it back for the Boyd. But again, it's a 30 and a half total. What am I doing? Uh, Stuart, talk to me about this game or is it a catch me up? Yeah, I, we can talk about it a little bit, but I mean, yeah, you're right. The Jalen Samuels price tag is, it's like a guy I would want to play for about 1500 less. Uh, was it seven, three or whatever is just pretty pretty high uh, given, especially Benny Snell is going to be back. Uh, Mason Rudolph is in a good spot, but I don't know. He just, his tournament winning upside is not very high. Um, I'm a little interested in some of the pit uh, pass catchers. McDonald's a guy. It looks like Deontay Johnson is going to play. And, uh, you know, Cincinnati's been pretty exposed uh, against opposing receivers. Uh, You know, if you think Cincinnati can maybe find a way to keep the game close uh, and not, you know, force Pitt into such a run heavy uh, script, a little interested in Deontay Johnson. Um, yeah, on the Cincinnati side, Auden Tate probably will be out. And he's a guy that's kind of, you know, we were really interested in him uh, way back when, you know, when he was a uh, sub four. Uh, you know, his role was sustainable up in, up through last week. Um, I think him being out will open up some volume. For some of the Cincy guys, uh, Tyler Boyd hasn't been getting uh, quite the volume he, he would like. And, you know, if you're owning him, you would like um, – and, you know, I think, uh, you know, it could be a spot where there, there's a little more volume opened up for him. Uh, modestly intrigued by him. Um, but, yeah, in general, not a game I'm really trying to, like, build heavily on or, uh, you know, lean on for kind of a, a stacked lineup for tournaments. I agree. I don't want to touch too many guys in this game, Brandon. How about you? Are we moving on or are we actually playing some guys here? I think you can play uh, Mixon. Uh, it's interesting, Stuart. The, uh, who who was the uh, host with you last week? Uh, 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 Jordan Jordan Cooper. Jordan. Yeah, he has he's such an eccentric mind, but I've never I've never seen someone who thinks about the game so similar to myself. Uh, he he has he has a strange way of thinking about things that I think it, it's appropriate for tournaments. Um, with with this game, okay, all of our research stewards suggest that you should never play fantasy guys in this game. They're, they're, especially for tournaments, their probability of having ceilings is uh, their probability of hitting the, the kind of outcomes we need for tournaments is, is very low. But, um, but what, last week with Jordan, he, he mentions – Okay, when you have these really low totals like Cincy at 15 and 15.8, you can sometimes look for the really good pieces because although Cincinnati is basic, basically never going to score 35 points, right? Sometimes they just get one extra touchdown and they instead of scoring 15 Point eight points. They're right at around 22, 23. Now, now all of a sudden they're viable and you have Mixon 
who is going to have all the volume, is up against the worst running defense. Uh, no, sorry. Um, this works good he, at the run. Yeah, he, they're good at the run since he's bad at the run. Uh, but but he's he's viable. Um, he could easily have the two touchdown performance. He's probably it's probably going to be a, a mix in and void show all the way around, and you can you can run him. Yeah, listen, I, I get it. Uh, listen, I know Blunder, uh, Jordan, he, he has that crazy mind. I, I think you're, you like the contrarianness. I get it. Um, it's tough. My, my big thing is I just think like the NFL totals are just so efficient. Uh, and not saying that I want to like gravitate towards like, you know, only the high totals because that's where everyone goes, right? But like that total is so low. Well, they are so efficient at, at, at telling you the speed of the game. But when the – but when – you have these two touchdown totals. It really is a matter that from, from a DFS tournament perspective, sometimes a guy who's a, a good play with the two touchdown total is an amazing play if they happen to score three touchdowns. And it's, it's not so unlikely that they go from two touchdowns to three touchdowns. Uh, anyway. All right. Yeah. Very good. What it's very good at telling you is that, is that this game has it an extremely low probability of hitting 50 fantasy uh, a 60 fantasy point total it's never going to happen and since he has a very very low probability of hitting a a 30 point total but it's not telling you much in terms of okay is since he going to score 16 or is since he going to score 23 yeah that's totally fair Let's move on to the next game, though. Uh, this one, I mean, it's a juicy one. I think it's one that we'll definitely talk about. And curious to hear how you guys are approaching it. We got the Seattle Seahawks. We got the Philadelphia Eagles. 47.5 total here. Uh, you know, Eagle, Eagles, they are three or they're one-point uh, favorites. Here's the thing I'm asking you guys, uh, and we'll kick it off with you first, Brandon. Uh, Chris Carson, he's a bell cow, but are you worried about maybe running him against this, uh, you know, against this Eagles defense? They've normally been typically pretty good against the run. Um, how are you approaching this? Or are you just loading up with Russell Wilson and that whole Seattle receiving court? I'll Philly's been uh, <clears throat> really weak against the pass, and I will continue to go there. Um, I had by far my best week of the season two weeks ago, where I just rolled the chalk with with Wilson, and it it was very very good. Uh, I I think. Seattle will play in a straightforward way and attack Philly through the air and you just play it in the obvious way and take Wilson Lockett. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't know if I worry about Lockett's injury. Uh, I, he's going to be fine, it sounds like. But Wilson, Lockett, Metcalf, who's a little bit cheaper. Uh, Stuart, are you going with that Seattle pass attack as well? So I got some short form stats for you guys. I'm just curious to know, you know, how you're factoring this in um, or if you, if you will. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, Philly is a team. I think we, we hear people talk a lot about wanting to attack through the air over the last month, which has only been three games for Philly. They're allowing the fourth fewest. This is against opposing wide receivers, fourth fewest fantasy points per target, fourth lowest market share, target market share. Uh, fifth lowest fantasy points per air yard, second lowest catch rate to opposing receivers. They've been um, – the short statistics would suggest that they have been fairly staunch against opposing wide receivers. And um, 
I know like this is a spot where, uh, you know, and the game script figures to be nice and balanced, uh, which is, you know, pretty good for, um, you know, using uh, Seattle receivers. Uh, it's a game I'm a little interested in trying to kind of take a stand and just be like, I, you know, I'm going to maybe ride some short uh, Philadelphia statistics. Um, I don't know. It's uh, curious, you know, if you guys kind of have any, any thoughts there, but uh, it, it has been interesting to me and kind of noteworthy. Uh, Philadelphia has been actually fairly uh, effective against opposing receivers in the last month or, or so. Um, I don't know. It, it, you know, if we're, if we're riding the long statistics, it's a game that sets up uh, terrifically for Wilson and Lockett and Metcalf, uh, you know, even Jacob Hollister. Uh, if we're at all interested in kind of some of the short stats though, uh, I do have, you know, some, concern uh on the seattle side uh and then obviously you know philadelphia's effectiveness against the run uh pretty well documented and which makes carson a tough play um i don't know it's a spot i'm a little interested in kind of taking uh you know a tournament stand and just uh you know being underweight on the seattle receiver side and trying to find other spots to be a little overweight um just a thought um that's an interesting slice of the data because um I don't know if there was a spot where there was more of a divergence between popular opinion and sharp opinion than the condition of the Eagles defense at the start of the season, because Eagles defense in popular opinion, I think has rightly been viewed as very strong. Um, And in at the start of the season, the popular opinion expected that it would be strong for this year, but the sharp commentators expected that they would be in particular very weak against the pass. And that turned out to be very true for the first part of the season. Um, But I, I could believe that it's, it's changed in the, in the last four or five games. I'll have to take a closer look at that. Certainly the, the, the four year uh, uh, without regard to, the conditions of specific personnel, the four, the, the four year uh, has performance has been very good. Yeah. So I agree with you guys. Uh, I know that they've gotten a little bit better and it's because Ronald Darby's back. I think that plays some of the somewhat into it, but I mean, some of the situations then like they went up against Mitch Trubisky. Um, we know Josh Allen can have his struggles at times and that game ended up just becoming kind of out of hand. So um, I don't know. I'm kind of confused at like what to do here. Again, it's like a conversation I had that we're really talking about. Uh, let's talk about the Eagles side of the ball, though. Uh, Stuart, uh, you know, I think Wentz is going to be a guy that people gravitate towards, and those tight ends uh, this week, uh, going with Dallas Goddard, going with a guy like Zach Ertz. Uh, how are you approaching the Eagles? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been, I think, pretty high on Goddard in you know my play in the past month or so. I mean, he he's a backup tight end, but he has been very involved in the past game seems to be actually more of a red zone target than Ertz and Ertz is kind of the, uh, you know, get, get us to the red zone target. But once they're there, I mean, Wentz has been looking good Ertz way a lot in the red zone. Um, and, you know, we've seen his price uh, rise a little bit, but uh, definitely I'm still intrigued in with all those injuries to the Philly receiving core. And it, it uh, you know, I, that's a guy, yeah, I'm interested in. And, and Miles Sanders, I mean, his, his, his uh, you know, he, he kind of, was a bit of a dud last week, but going up against a very uh, challenging, you know, New England uh, front seven, uh, you know, he's a guy who has factored in the past game. And if he's kind of the primary running back with Jordan Howard out, uh, 
think there's just really good value there and will allow you to get up to some of the more expensive plays, uh, either quarterback or, uh, you know, some of the receivers that we, we might want to get up to and either, either in this game or, uh, you know, in some of the other like Atlanta uh, receivers. So I think Philly side, that's kind of where I'm looking at either of those two tight ends and Miles Sanders. Um, I think they just offer pretty good value and, and Sanders in particular, just really nice salary relief at the running back position. Yes, Sanders is going to be, I think, uh, one of those plug-and-play guys if Howard ends up being out. Uh, what are you doing with a guy like a Miles Sanders in this Eagles offense, Brandon? Um, well, I was uh, – usage-wise, obviously, Miles Sanders was – he was chalky last week. Um, uh, he, saw, he saw 85% of the snaps, and that's never – that hasn't been done in Philly since 2016. So <laughs> – I think that shows like the coaches do like him. I know the the number he put up last week was kind of a, a dud, but I just thought that was one thing to know. Yeah, he looked good, but I would say the last 20 snaps he played, I'm not sure what he was doing on the field. What, what why he had he had basically zero involvement in the last 20 snaps and I couldn't figure out why um, he they didn't trust him when it mattered. Put it that way. Uh, he, he was he was uh, out out there, but it, it didn't. I was a little bit surprised at the at the at the lack of usage in in the fourth quarter, for instance. Um, so. Yeah, he's. He rates as maybe the highest value this week, and he, he will be justly popular. But I have I have my doubts about his uh, his exact upside. Um, Ertz, very very strong play. He'll be central to to lineups, and uh, that's about it. All righty, yeah. Listen, we don't got too much longer. We got twelve minutes left, so we got a uh, two games though. I think we can handle it. Uh, this one's a forty-one and a half total, and of these like forty totals we've talked about, this is the one I'm most excited about. Uh, Jaguars Titans. I think Derrick Henry could have a massive game. Leonard Fournette. Uh, we saw the Jaguars. They discussed that uh, you know Fournette. He did not see the ball enough. He needs to run the ball more. He needs to get more touches. So there's that narrative going there. Uh, there's also some of these receivers I think that are interesting on the Jag side of the ball. Stewart, kick it off for us. What do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, you got to like Fournette's uh, just volume. He, he always is just factoring in the run game, a big part of the passing game. Uh, you know, Jacksonville, uh, Shark in particular, seemed to respond pretty well to the, you know, return of Nick Foles. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Derrick Henry, a guy you touched on, like, is a guy I'm just always interested in. Uh, you know, he his big play potential is just pretty exceptional. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people try to talk themselves away from Henry because he's, you know, a zero in the pass game when he's, I mean, he's not, you know, an elite pass catcher, but he he's, hasn't been a zero in the pass game this year. Uh, he's, you know, I think usually good for two or three targets a game, which, <clears throat> you know, maybe uh, isn't, isn't your ideal uh, kind of prototype for a six, nine running back. But um, I mean, Jacksonville really bad against the run. They're, uh, you know, second in opponent adjusted fantasy points allowed per rush attempt. And I mean, that's Derrick Henry's bread and butter, right? It's just like, give me, uh, you know, give him, 20 or so carries, hopefully one or two of those, he's able to break off, you know, a big uh, 50 plus yard run and, uh, you know, give him an opportunity to score two touchdowns. I mean, Tennessee loves giving him the ball around the goal line. He, uh, you know, isn't quite like, uh, you know, your, your 
Christian McCaffrey every down back, but he, you know, is your goal line back. Uh, he's your, you know, bell cow whenever you're trying to run the ball at any point of the field and really, you know, can score from, you know, any position on the field. Like I like Derrick Henry a lot this week. Uh, I think he's not, you know, a typical cash play uh, building block, just given his uh, limited pass catching role. But uh, I'm definitely considering him in cash this week. And I think always just a really strong uh, tournament play uh, and probably even more so in FanDuel, which, you know, I don't really play, but uh, the, you know, reduction in PPR uh, or reduction in points per reception uh, is even more so more so favored towards Henry. So uh, those are some of the guys I'm looking at in this game. He's priced up. He's either he's eighty four hundred. He's either the second or third highest price running oh, back, right. I think. Oh uh, yeah, he's actually got a pretty hefty price tag. Leonard Fournette's only seven k over there, which again, like hmm. these are two volume grabs, Brandon. I think you're going to have to have a little bit of interest in. Uh, which volume running back are you interested in most? Uh, I I think maybe for tournaments, Fournette by a stab, and at Fanduel, the high the high price shouldn't deter you. He's uh, I think you can just roll it even in tournaments. I think uh, I think Henry's a really strong play. Um, I think both running backs are are very good. And Jacksonville and Tennessee, they both have strange properties as teams where they tend to be in low total games, but they're the teams that they they often just break out into these higher scoring situations that are seemingly out of out of nowhere. So it, although this is this is your low total game it's not it's not the boring low total games that we've gone over in the past it is it is a game that has the possibility of uh of getting getting up up there a little bit both of those teams they flash they flash that occasional that those occasional higher scores and it's here it's the nature also of the the individual pieces uh, can tend to be a little a little bit more volatile is there a piece on the receiving core that you have any interest in, like a, like a DJ Chark, a D.D. Westbrook, or maybe one of the Titans receivers that could flash them upside if you want to get a, a small piece of this game, not through the running backs? Yeah. Uh, you're you're making a pretty big equity trade-off there. Uh, Shark, the price is kind of higher than I feel like you want to go this week. You can, you can do it as a sprinkle, but eh. I don't really love the receivers just, just because I think you're giving up a lot of equity this week. Uh, Isn't Corey Davis, is he expected to be back this week uh, for Tennessee? Um, let's uh, see. If, I, if, I, if, if he is, I mean, I think it, like AJ Brown's a guy I've kind of swung and missed on in the past with Davis out, but with, if Davis is back in, I think that Tennessee passing yeah. game becomes tough to, to he, he returned out. to practice so I, I think the only guys you're kind of like like you're not really touching the Tennessee receivers I don't think I think sure. it's like Chark and Didi are kind of in the combo I think um and, and like Didi's price is pretty cheap I think that's one reason why I think maybe it's like people like me who uh you know took him early on in the season and best balls we're, we're still banking on it because of the Nick Foles <laughs> connection right uh now that he's there but we only got seven minutes left and we got one more game and it's a good one so let's move on to that one uh we got the Cowboys we got the Patriots 45 total here. I believe this total is trending down. Uh, you know, this is a game where there's a lot of studs, right? A lot of different players you can go to. Uh, we'll go to you first, Brandon. Uh, what do you think on the Cowboys side of the ball? Because if you look at these guys, they got some price decreases. I mean, Gallup, he's only 5'9". He got a little bit of an increase, but Amari Cooper, he's 6.6K, which is kind of cheap for a guy like Amari. Uh, what are you doing with this Cowboys offense? Maybe they're going to feed Zeke. Uh, lots of different ways that they can go. 
Yeah, uh, Zeke is Zeke is your strongest individual piece. Uh, it looks like a little bit of a weather game. Uh, we're gonna have to watch that. Heavy rain, high winds, low temperatures. We're gonna have to see what's going on there. Might figure out to be important, and I'm sure that's why the total is dropping. Um, also, this is the time of year where we need to start looking at league standings and figure out what's going on. It feels, I, I haven't looked, but it feels like Dallas is probably in that situation where they, they're they probably in must win kind of territory. Is that they, right? They, they have to, listen, they're not probably getting the wild card. The wild card is kind of locked up by Seattle and the Vikings. Not completely, but it's going to be tough to grab they're that. Dead. They're dead. They're dead. Not, not, no, they're not dead. They're they're fighting for the division. It's just a dogfight, it looks like, probably between the Eagles and the Cowboys. That's really where they're going to kind of be landing at. Those two are just fighting for – so they have a shot, but it's, like, really for the division. I mean, Eagles, they're 5-5, five and five, and the Cowboys, I have a record right here. Um, it's taking too long to load, but they're basically going to fight for the division. Yeah, Cowboys, they're 6-4. and four, So two games back in the wild card. So I think they know they got to start winning games because the Eagles are breathing down their necks. Yeah, so – I mean, in that situation, you might upgrade Zeke a little bit. You might upgrade Zeke a bit for the for the weather, although it's, it's always tough because the weather like this favors the run game, but it also decreases the other weapons' potential. And if you're up against a really tough team, tough defense like New England, it can just shut down everything. Um, but – I think you want to say it's Zeke because must win game, Zeke conditions. They have to run him into the ground in this spot. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I get it. Um, I haven't played him much this year. Are you worried uh, with what the situation's going on with him? Like, he just hasn't really gotten, like, going. It's just been kind of rough. Yeah, but it uh, – I've been watching the games, and – yeah, last week, what Pollard had a big score. Pollard had like 20 fantasy points, 15, 20 fantasy points out of nowhere or something. Um, but he's a 0% season-long kind of guy, and I don't see that. I, I Especially now with them needing to win, I think it's, it's Zeke. To me, I have been watching the Cowboys games, and it seems like his lack of performance has been a little bit random. He looks healthy. It looks like they want to give him the opportunities. He seems on the cusp of good plays. He doesn't look worse than previous years. It just seems like a little bit random to, to the eyeball test. Um, How about you, Stuart? Uh, is it random? Uh, who are you interested in the Cowboys receivers? And a guy like Julian Edelman, don't sleep on him on the opposite side. I think he's going to be one of the better plays this week. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been kind of avoiding playing guys against New England. Their defense is really good and I um, you know I think both on the ground against really the positions they dominate are running back quarterback and wide receiver the one area where they're a little exposed I think is tight end uh, we saw Ertz and Goddard actually I think fare quite well against New England but I mean I don't know Jason Witten's not really a guy I'm like that interested in rolling out there I don't know for me I think it's a, it's a straight fade on Cowboys guys um, man New England's defense is just really really tough they put pressure on the quarterback they are you know, really stop stopping the run really well and limiting uh, pass catching opportunities for running backs out of the backfield. Uh, you know, at his uh, at kind of the elevated price, like Zeke's just not a guy uh, I'm that interested in going to. 
Uh, yeah, New England side of things, I think, uh, you know, the, the inclusion of Nikhil Harry, I mean, like the, the problem with New England, right, is like we know they're, you know, they put they're a team that kind of puts themselves in good environments, but they're not a very condensed team. And I think it's like kind of tough to figure them out. Uh, Edelman does seem to be the one piece who's kind of the most consistent and has uh, the most secure role carved out. Um, so, you know, if I'm looking at the uh, New England side, <clears throat> probably Edelman is the guy I'm most interested in. Dorsett at the price, you know, seems to have somewhat of a role carved out for him that, you know, I feel a little more comfortable uh, with, but like Mo Sanu, Harry, uh, you know, they're, they're running backs. Like it's kind of, uh, each week unclear kind of who's the guy, um, you know, that, that's set up best. So I don't know, a game I'm not terribly interested um, in, in getting a, a bunch of exposure to. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how I'm thinking about this game. Yeah, any final thoughts on the Patriots here that you got, uh, Brandon? Uh, we got a minute left before we got to get on out of here. Uh, what else are you thinking on this game? Well, it's the the New England running back situation has classically been one to avoid for for fantasy, uh, but there are s- certain weeks where just as we do the Godwin's Evans bifurcation, we do in this case the trifurcation and and have with our speculative well with the lineups that are chalky in all the other spots, just plug save that you do the Michelle lineup the the the. The Burkhead lineup, the white lineup, or the Burkhead's getting a little ambitious. We just do the white and the Michelle versions of, of the lineup because um, both of those guys are, are low price guys that have pop and it is a weather game. We do expect it to kind of play in close quarters. Uh, could certainly see Michelle being a very strong play at the 4,600 price tag. Alrighty, guys, we got to get on out of here. Thanks a lot for joining us. Before you click out of this show, click the like and subscribe on YouTube for us. We would really, really appreciate it. And be sure to give Brandon and Stuart, give them a follow over there on Advanced Sports Analytics at Twitter. Go check them out at advancedsportsanalytics.com. They have some great tools, some awesome stuff going on over there. So check that out. But listen, we got to get on out of here. Have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you next week. For me, Travis Mangone, for Stuart and Brandon, we're out of here.